and welcome to today's Sunday Online. Welcome people of Skylark Church and Skylark International and if you're tuning in from further afield, thanks for joining us. We hope you have a brilliant morning with us today. Before I introduce today's speaker, I just want to pause for a moment because it is Father's Day. In our church normally now, we would get the men of the church to stand up, we would give them a gift and we would just spend some time honouring them. So I want to do that now. Whether you are a biological father, whether you are a dad through adoption or fostering, maybe you don't have any children of your own through choice or through circumstance. Perhaps you're a granddad, an uncle, a nephew, a cousin. Men, we just want to thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you bring to the life of the church. We pause and we honour you today. I hope you have a brilliant Father's Day. It's time for me to introduce today's speaker. I'll be back at the end as always with some updates, but today's message is a corker. It's excellent and it's challenging, just the way messages should be. And the speaker today is from our own Skylark Church family. Let me introduce to you Matt White. Good morning, Skylark Church. It is such a privilege to be here this morning. I say here, I'm in my kitchen. It's a huge privilege to be in my kitchen this morning, but it is a privilege to be speaking to you this morning. And I wanna say a massive thank you to Pete and Nikki for inviting me to preach this morning. I never take for granted speaking to my home church. I start as always with a confession. I'm not loving this. For me, preaching is an interactive art form. When I preach at church, I look down and I see Phil Harding giving me a great big smile, or I hear Yaz giving me a come on Matt, or I know to look over at our incredible signing community and get the nod from Val whether or not I'm going too quick, which I usually am. But there's none of that today. I'm here in my kitchen looking at my phone screen and I don't love it. But I wanna encourage you this morning that if like me, you've tuned in or you've turned on to this broadcast this morning and you're thinking, I don't love this, that you're not on your own. We're now months into a situation we had no idea how long it would last or how long it will last. But I do believe this morning that even in the midst of my not loving this, I believe God has something to say that speaks right to this moment. And I say that confidently because this message has been doing a work in me as I've prepared it. I'm not preaching some abstract idea that I think is right for everyone who tunes in. This sermon is one I've been preaching to myself and one that I'm gonna keep preaching to myself. And so this morning, whether you are having the best time tuning in, watching, or whether like me, you are not loving it. I wanna encourage you that I think there is something here that God wants to say to me and to us and to our church and to the wider world in this particular moment, even in this place. Our theme right now is Jesus, follow him. And it's a great theme because it's a theme that literally goes back to the biblical words of Jesus. It's recorded around 20 times Jesus saying, follow me, and a further 30 times where that idea or those words feature across the whole New Testament. It's a very biblical idea. In fact, it's not one of those things that has kind of been come up with in modern times. It's not something that's been put together to sell a book or requires a kind of a plan to go alongside it. Jesus would have said, follow me. We know why that is. It's been preached at Skylark before quite brilliantly. The idea of how the Jewish education system worked, that if you wanted to follow a rabbi, your whole education went up to that point where he would look at you and say, follow me. 
And so we know that we are stepping into something that really, really matters. And this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to look at one of the moments where Jesus said, follow me. Just one instance that happens in the New Testament. And I recognize that in this moment, it's important to keep things upbeat. There might be a benefit in keeping things a little bit lighter, uh, airier, just, just generally upbeat. And so I've picked a theme for my message this morning that I hope will help us do that. Here it is, death and denial. So will you turn with me to Mark chapter eight? So it's Mark chapter eight, verses 31 to 38. Then he began to teach them that the son of man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who want to lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. It's worth saying that this interaction is recorded in one way or another in three of the four Gospels. It's in Matthew 16 and Luke chapter 9. And we know the language of the time is common. We've talked about how regularly it features in the Bible. But being a follower of a rabbi didn't mean that you sort of hung around at the back hoping to pick up a few scraps of wisdom. It was about becoming like the rabbi. Following Jesus, becoming a disciple of Jesus is about becoming like him. And this matters. This is central and pivotal to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what we are. We are disciples followers of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus says, if any want to become my followers, then what comes next is really, really important. And yet so often I've lived my life like the words that came next were, if any want to become my followers, make sure you go to church every Sunday. Or if any want to become my followers, make sure you raise your hand in the right bit of the song. Or if anyone want to become my followers, make sure you're using the right translation of the Bible. Or if anyone want to become my followers, make sure you tag all your Instagram posts with hashtag Jesus. That somehow following Jesus is like a set of instructions that kind of fit with our lives. Imagine going to someone and saying, is there anything I can do to help? And they go, yeah, could you give me a lift to Clacton? Well, I might go, oh, oh. I was kind of hoping just send you a text in the middle of the week. I didn't think it was going to cost me something. And it feels sometimes that that's what the church has done. We go to Jesus and we say, Jesus, we want to follow you, but we just don't know what to do. But it's actually written in the text. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. A couple of things I'm not going to talk about this morning. Just, I don't want you to think I'm kind of glossing over them, but I'm not going to mention them. The first is that bit where Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. I have neither the time nor the inclination to get into that this morning, but what I will say very quickly is this. Friends, I think we need to be really careful that we don't externalize everything to the point of refusing to do the internal work that's needed. Last year, I had the chance to visit New Orleans. Do you remember that time when we could get on planes and go places? It feels like a lifetime ago. But I had the chance to visit this incredible church there and the pastor got up to preach and he was amazing. He preached a life-changing message. But in the middle of it, he said this little thing, which I will never forget. 
He said, I think I need to focus less on the enemy and more on the inner me. I do not want to deny or decry the existence of spiritual warfare or another realm or the things that happen in that place, but I do want to say this. Friends, I think sometimes I am so quick to externalize what is going wrong that I don't want to look at what's going on internally. I think sometimes I am so quick when conflict arises or something stands against me or I feel like I'm being opposed or things aren't just going my way. I am so quick to point to the work of an external, whether that's the enemy, the devil or Satan, the tempter, whatever you want to call it. I am so quick to point to the work of an external force. I deny myself the chance to do the internal work that's needed to make the change. The other thing I'm not going to talk about is the end of that passage where Jesus talks about uh, the son of man will be ashamed. And I'm just not going to talk about that this morning because I don't have time. It's fascinating and the language is really fascinating and it would be worth you going and having a look and check it out and see what's going on there. But I don't have time this morning. What I'm talking about this morning is death and denial. You see, for me, growing up, this language that we talk about, um, deny themselves, pick up their cross, follow me, this was a phrase I knew. It was one that was part of my Christian upbringing. I understood that language. But I think as I look back about how I used to treat it, I realised I wasn't really understanding what I think Jesus was trying to say. And there's good reason for that. So here's the, here's the sentence, okay? So um, when I looked at that sentence, what I saw was not that, but instead what I saw was this. This idea that denying myself was the beginning of a sentence, but when it came to picking up my cross, that was the end of the sentence. Now, let me explain that a bit more. Because when it came to denying myself, that denying myself dot, 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 it felt like I had to fill in a blank, right? Like, if I deny myself my coffees this week, I can use the money to put into a good cause. If I deny myself a new car, then I can learn something about making do and being grateful and that will be a good lesson for me. If I can deny myself a certain behaviour or attitude or some sort of outworking, then I will be more in line with Jesus and that is a good thing. And those are good things. That moment of self-denial, choosing to deny ourselves something, is a good thing to do. It's not a bad thing to do. But I think when Jesus said, deny themselves... He was talking about our very selves. I think he was talking about not denying ourselves something, but realizing that the thing we had to deny was ourselves. Those bits of our nature, our character, that get in the way of us following Jesus. Those things like our pride, our ego, our selfishness, our need to be in control, all those parts of us that stop us following him. I think Jesus said deny themselves because he wanted us to realise that to follow him, the first step was denying our very, very self. But he doesn't stop there. You see, there isn't a dot, dot, dot that sentence flows through. Have a look. Deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow me. And with denying myself, if the problem was I saw a dot, 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 with picking up a cross, the problem was I saw a full stop. Like picking up a cross was the challenge. I've shared this quote before that completely changed my view of all of this. And I don't say sorry for repeating myself because this quote articulates it so incredibly and, and totally transformed the way I view these words of Jesus. It comes from the theologian Pete Enns and he says this, Crosses are heavy, yes, but that's not the point. You don't take up a cross simply to carry it. You take up a cross to die on it. That's the point of crosses. Following Jesus isn't like a burden we carry on our shoulders. 
It's an internal process so radical and painful that the best way to describe it for people of that day is as the act of being bound and nailed like a criminal to a piece of wood lifted above the ground where you are left hanging in naked humiliation and intense pain until you suffocate. You see, for me, I thought picking up a cross was like an endurance test. Like, like the test of picking up a cross was how far I could carry it. But that's not what following Jesus is. We don't pick up a cross to show how strong we are. We pick up a cross to show how weak we're willing to be. We don't pick up a cross to show that we can win. We pick up a cross to die on it and show that we're willing to surrender. For the hearers of that day, they wouldn't have seen a boot camp. You know, instead of flipping tires, we're grabbing crosses and dragging them across fields. They would have seen an execution. They wouldn't have seen a stern personal trainer barking commands. They'd have seen a Roman guard leading you to your death. You see, the fact is we deny ourselves so that we can learn to die because it's only in dying can we ever be free enough to follow Jesus. And so all those things I talked about, our selfish ambition, our pride, our ego, all that stuff, we not only have to deny it, we have to die to it. We have to put those parts of ourselves to death so that we can be free enough to live in following Jesus. How do we follow Jesus? Death and denial. Death and denial. Death and denial. And for me, I would have finished there. Upbeat, right? I told you at the start, I was keeping things light today. But uh, if you've heard me preach before, you'll know my wife reads these things before anyone gets to hear them. And she always has a very similar note, and it's a good note, because she always asks me, what does it look like, Matt? And look, as a preacher, I'm, I'm not someone who wants to have all the answers. It's not the way I do it. I'm not a preacher who will ever have a kind of a step-by-step -step guide or, or a way through something like that. That's just not how I do it. But I think this morning and in this moment, the question of what does this look like right now? What does this look like in a pandemic and a lockdown? What does this look like as the world has awakened to the racism and injustice that so many of our brothers and sisters in this church have faced and continue to face? And so I wanna share three ways that I think this can look, three maybe practical steps that help us understand what it looks like to deny ourselves, pick up a cross and follow him. And I want to tell you that these are three areas of my life that I personally battle with. These are three areas of my life that I've had to learn and continue to learn how to deny and put to death. I am not sharing these from a position of, I've done this, look at what I've done. I'm sharing this from a position of, I have to make this decision every single day to deny myself, to put these things to death and to choose to follow him. So I, I really hope they're helpful. It's not an exhaustive list. There are lots of others and I'd encourage you to think about what they are in your life. But these are three that I, I know speak to me and also I think speak to this moment in time. The first one's this. I think we need to deny ourselves and put to death the need to be secure. Now look, I'm not talking about some sort of putting yourself deliberately in harm's way, undiscerned, thrill-seek thing here. I'm not talking about that. But what I'm saying is that there are moments, and this is one of them, this moment of lockdown and pandemic when the whole world seems to be shifting around us. This can become a moment when our desire to be secure can overtake our desire to follow Jesus. Let me give you some examples. Uh, we know where our lives are headed, but we just wanna pay off the mortgage first. We know what God is asking, but we just wanna make sure the contracts are all tied up. We know where we're being led, but we're just gonna do some of the fine detail stuff over here and just see if we can figure it out ourselves. 
I've said it before, but that type of posture and activity is like taking out an insurance policy against God's faithfulness. It really is. It's like saying, God, we trust you to this point. We will follow you to this point. But then we're just going to make sure that we've got all the things we need to build our own secure base. You see, when we refuse to deny ourselves our need and our right to be secure, then we will always take our insurance policies against God's faithfulness. I'll be obedient when. I'll go as long as. I'll follow if. As followers of Jesus, we have to deny ourselves and put to death our need to be secure and recognise that we find our security in following him. The second thing is this. I think we need to deny ourselves and put to death our need to be served. We live at a time when we are served all the time. Uh, algorithms will pick your favourite music. Uh, the lights get turned on with a voice command. Our phones will literally pump directions for where we're going into our actual ears. Like we are served all the time. And yet Jesus, the one we're seeking to follow and become like, always chose to serve. He always chose to serve. He never wanted to be served. And yet somehow we feel we have this right, this sense of we need to be served. And in lockdown, in this moment of time, I think that can be truly heightened. I think about even just church, right? Think about what happens. We, we get Sunday sent to us. We have a playlist. We, we have all this incredible stuff. Worship Wednesdays, daily sound bites of encouragement, texts, emails, uh, Sunday night Zooms, a quiz, all this stuff provided to us. Friends, if you haven't sent a message yet to thank our leaders and our leadership team for what they have served us with in this time, can I encourage you, this might be the week to do it. Or if you really want to wait, wait till we're in whatever next and send them a box of donuts. Do something to remind yourself that you are being served. We are being served beautifully by our church right now. But we're being served. Friends, Richard Rohr said it incredibly. He puts it like this. Choose as much as possible to serve rather than be served. And so in this moment, I want to encourage us that as we are being so beautifully resourced and served by our church, there is also a challenge for me and for us to figure out who and where we can serve right now. Are you waiting on the next soundbite or are you using those daily doses of joy and peace and hope to speak the same type of joy and peace and hope into those around us? Are you tuning in at 10 o'clock on a Sunday waiting for someone else to open the Bible and, and teach you a word for this week? Or are you opening your Bible and getting your word from God throughout the week to send you into wherever you are placed? Are you tuning into Spotify for the latest worship playlist? Are you allowing your life to be an act of worship that sings heaven's song over our homes, families, streets, communities, city, nation and world right now? Are you choosing to be served or choosing to serve? And in this moment, when we are waking up to the racism and discrimination faced by so many of, not just uh, people in America or across the world, but people in our own church family experiencing this type of prejudice, as we wake up to that, are those of us who will never experience that type of racism, are we choosing to serve right now or are we expecting to be served? Friends, I think listening is the most important thing we can do right now, but there are ways in which we can serve ourselves at this time as those of us who don't face racism by reading the books, watching the documentaries, by listening to the podcast, by doing the work that is needed to help fuel our own part of the fight to end racism right now. 
Friends, we are going to serve in this battle, whether it is something we have experienced or experienced, or whether it is something that we do not and our privilege allows us not to. We are going to serve in this battle together, but we do that because we choose to deny ourselves and put to death and follow Jesus as we serve. One of my favourite quotes from Martin Luther King Jr. speaks to this so beautifully. He says, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love, and you can be that servant. You can be that servant. I can be that servant. We can choose to serve. As followers of Jesus, we have to deny ourselves and put to death our need to be served so that we can follow the one who always chose to serve. And the final one is this. I think we need to deny ourselves and put to death the need to be seen. Man, this is a tough one. Uh, because in a world of uh, influencers and celebrity culture, this is really countercultural. But actually, I'm not that fussed about that. Because I think in the Christian subculture, we so quickly fall into this trap. It's why we sing the same songs from the same five churches' albums, and it's why we all follow the same eight pastors on Instagram. We fall into the trap of thinking that following uh, equals some sort of greatness. The idea that the more seen someone is, the better they are or the better it is. And look, let me point out the obvious. I am sitting in my kitchen talking into a camera lens. I write a blog. I host podcasts. I create content and I put it into the world and I hope that people like it and like it enough to share it so that other people get to see or hear it. I do that. That's what I do. So I'm not suggesting we have to retreat or disappear or make ourselves completely hidden. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, if we're not willing to deny ourselves and put to death the need to be seen, then we are going to struggle to allow others to see Jesus in us. The author Sarah Haggerty wrote a book called Unseen, and in it she says this beautiful thing. Great kingdom impact comes not just from actions that make a dramatic and observable impact, but from all the accumulated moments we spend looking at God, bringing him glory in private, and letting him shape our insides. And in this moment of lockdown, when we lose our face-to-face -face community, the temptation to prioritise the wrong things can become overwhelming. Uh, to prioritise online reach over real-time relationship. And it's not just churches or organisations or things like that that will do it. It's also the same for us as individuals. Uh, everything's fine. I I'm going to put up my Instagram of what my Bible reading is this week. Or, or everything's great. My prayer life is thriving. Have you heard this worship song I've been listening to? And, and if it's not fine, we either pretend it's fine or we do that thing where we go, well, it's not fine, but I've thought about it and I've reflected on it and I can now perfectly articulate a theological exposition as to why I was not fine and in doing so I am fine. We have to be seen. It's a need to be seen to be great. We're doing okay. We're, we're still thriving. Everything's okay. That need to be seen in a moment like this can really overwhelm us. And friends as the world has woken up to the racial injustice that so many of our brothers and sisters face on a day-to-day -day basis the need to be seen can also become overwhelming. I have been so filled with hope with the statements that have been put out into the public domain from churches and, and Christian leaders and politicians and businesses and, and friends, people I know, people I don't know, strangers near and far, uh, people standing up and saying, we will not stand for this anymore. We will become actively anti-racist in the way we live and the way we behave. It is incredible. 
But friends, if we're only willing to do that when there's an audience, we're not going to make things better. Friends, if we are only willing to have a listening conversation when we're still in control of the mute button on the live stream, we will not make things better. And friends, if we are only listening because people are watching, something stinks and we are not going to make things better. As followers of Jesus, right now in this moment, we have to deny ourselves and put to death the need to be seen so that we keep our eyes on him and allow others to see Jesus in us. Death and denial. Friends, the invitation is so very real, but so is the challenge. To try and live a life of following Jesus that isn't a life of death and denial leaves us disappointed and leaves the world still searching for a savior they will never see in us. And so my prayer is this, that we would not be people who find ourselves on the outskirts looking for a more palatable answer to the question of how to follow him, for something easier to do, for another way that isn't so costly, but that we would be people who actively choose the road of death and denial, who come to Jesus and say, how can we follow you? And who hear and answer the call to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. Thank you, Matt, for that amazing message. Shall we pray? Lord, you said that if anyone wants to follow you, we must deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow you. We want to know what that means because we want to follow you more closely. So today we choose to deny ourselves and to put to death the need to be safe, to be secure. We don't have insurance policies out against you, Lord. We put to death and we deny ourselves the right to always be served or always be seen. And Holy Spirit, would you highlight for us in our own hearts the areas where we need to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and follow you? And Lord, I pray that this message won't just be impactful today and tomorrow and maybe over this next week, but in the weeks, months and years to come, may it have changed us, make a difference in us as we choose to become more like you, Jesus, day by day, week by week, year by year. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word and thank you for this powerful message in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got a few updates for you. And the first is about last night's women's event. I just wanted to say thank you to Penny and the team for the brilliant time of worship and hangout and prayer together. I know you guys would have had the best time. Talking of the best time, didn't we have a brilliant time at the quiz? I know we've mentioned it before, but there's another one coming. It's going to be in July. The date will be given out very soon. So get excited. There is a quiz on the way. Hey, an update from the network. Last weekend, we had Connect and Converge. Connect is where we get together as all of the senior leaders across the network and have a brilliant time hanging out. We did it by Zoom this time, as you might expect, but it was excellent to see everyone together and to just spend time together. And then on the Saturday for Converge, where we normally would gather together, this time we were able to put together lots of pre-recorded material to resource and encourage and envision the different leaders and their leadership teams across the network. It's so exciting to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And Skylark International is on the move. Thank you so much to those of you who were praying for us.
The final thing is an update regarding food. Thanks to your generosity, we're able every fortnight to continue to put food on the table of people in our own church family. Also, in this last week, we've handed out another 16 food parcels across the community, including four to people in Melbourne who have been suggested to us by Kings Road Primary School. So thank you for your generosity and thanks team for getting that food out. We also gave a massive food parcel to Chelmsford's Women's Refuge. Isn't that exciting? Thanks. We are making a difference. So all I need to do now is to wish you a fantastic week. Keep going. You can do this. We're going to make it. We can't wait to see you. We love you very much. See you soon and take care. God bless. Bye.